o'clock time for us to talk parenting and this week we're looking at the question of how to encourage your kids curiosity but also while dealing with their difficult questions because sometimes kids kids can ask difficult awkward things and you as their parent or their caregiver often other person they come to first and so how do you deal uh, with some of those tough questions and I want to know some of those questions some of the things the kids have asked you uh, to explain to them to tell them about or even some of the homework that they've brought home and needed your assistance with and you thought I- I'm going to need assistance with this if I'm going to help you let us know on 011-883-0702 send us your sms's on 31702 joined as always by our resident parenting and human potential expert Nikki Bush Nikki a very good morning to you as always good to have you on the show Lovely to be here. So quite an interesting topic, how to deal with difficult questions or questions perhaps you aren't entirely prepared for, but also while encouraging your kids' curiosity, encouraging them to keep asking those questions because that is quite important. Imagination, curiosity, and a sense, I guess, of wonderment is actually a very good thing for kids to have. Definitely. In fact, curiosity is the driver for learning anything. And that starts literally from the time they come out of their mum's tummy. You know, that's, uh, they, they discover the world around them first through movement and through their senses. And then once they can talk, their brains are literally putting pieces of information together and they start asking questions. And from around the age of three, three and a half, Parents are literally exhausted by the why question. (laughs) Why this? Why that? Why the other? They want to know why the sky is blue. They want to know what those two birds are doing jumping on top of each other. They want to know... um, you know, how, how you are feeling. They want to know how things are made. And it's wonderful to hear. But what we must remember about children is that their curiosity is sparked by their own connection to the world. Learning has to have meaning for a child. Otherwise, they won't ask the question. It has to have meaning for them first. So it's going to be sparked by something that happens in their own world. So it might be that somebody that you know dies and they're aware that somebody has died, whether it's somebody very close or whether it's somebody within you know, your greater circle or maybe a child comes to school and says that their granny has died. Now that's gonna spark off a chain reaction for them because they're going to now inside in their own minds without even knowing it's happening, they're going to be going, but what if my mom dies? What if I die? And it starts that I wonder kind of chain reaction. I wonder what would happen if I remember that happened to me when the first child uh, I knew their parents got divorced. And I remember going into a complete tailspin. I was about nine or 10 going, oh, what would happen if my parents got divorced? Which, which parent will I choose to live with was my question. 
And I remember debating this inside my head over and over again. And I could never come up with the right answer because it wasn't fair. And I think that those, it isn't fair comments often come up in in conversation with Mm. children. It's Mm -hmm. not fair. So let's just understand that your child will be triggered to ask a question about death, about sex. And sex and death are the two most difficult questions that come up for children. And so for parents then, it often means, I guess you may find yourself in a bit of an awkward position. So maybe your child asks, um, you know, something about their body or your body or about sex. Uh, where do babies come from? A difficult question about mom, will you die as well? So if they hear that, you know, a friend, a, a classmate has lost or if another family member has lost a parent, then they have to con- be confronted with death. And so often then kids will bring up very difficult, awkward conversations that you yourself as a parent may not be quite ready to deal with. And so how do you have those conversations that even for you as a parent might just be a little bit, you know, difficult or tough or or even just a little bit awkward or you just, you have no idea what the answer is. answer is, yes. So I wrote a book called Easy Answers to Awkward Questions, which is the book around sexuality education for children between uh, between the ages of uh, three and 13. And we wrote it in such a way This is how children will ask you the questions. But, of course, you will never have the book open when they ask you the question. (laughs) So, therein lies the conundrum. Mm -hmm. Children are the acid test to your beliefs, to your values, and you will never be waiting for that question when it comes. So, they will always catch you off guard, and it's usually going to be either when you're in the car with them or at bedtime. You see, those curious questions happen usually when there's time for free association of thoughts, where their mind is wondering, and suddenly it hits them, and they ask you that why question. So a mum was saying to me that um, she was driving um, with her child, and her child was five. And she asked her this exact question while she was driving without thinking. The child, and the child asked, you know, am I going to die? Mm-hmm. Are we going to die? And, and the mum was not thinking and she just blurted out, of course you're going to die. We all die. Mm. <laughs> and at that point, her five year old daughter went hysterical, oh. thinking she was going to die soon. Immediately. Immediately. And the mum said to me, I told her the truth, which I believe was the right thing to do, mm-hmm. but I didn't say it very kindly because I was actually stressed in that moment and I wasn't thinking straight. So we do need to explain things like death to our children by speaking the truth, but we do need to do it gently and in a matter of fact way. So yes, everything dies. You know, she, she could have said something like this. So let's always remember to bring things back to the personal. And you can say something like, you know, when I was your age, I also used to wonder if I would die one day or what would happen to my body if I died. And I'm sure you're wondering where grandpa is now that he has died. And what about Trixie, our next door neighbor's cat, who got sick and died last month? 
So you bring it back to the real. And at this point, a five-year-old will probably actually take the conversation off in an entirely different direction. So we also have to listen to our children. We kind of have to gauge what they know. And it's the same with sexuality education. When they come back from school and they blurt out something around sex, you actually need to stop the conversation and say, so what do you know about that? Before you give them the 10-point answer. Because you might not need to give them all 10 points. You might only need to stop at point two. So we also need to be aware of not overwhelming our children with too much information that they can't actually deal with. So you have to also remember your value system and your, so for example, um, you, you might say um, that everything does eventually die when it comes to the death question and things usually die from old age like plants and animals and even people. But sometimes they do die from accidents and disease. So you need to pitch that angle. And then in terms of your belief system, and aren't we lucky because when we die, we go to dot, 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 or our spirit moves on to dot, dot, dot. And for each family, that's going to be different. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, I asked the question earlier, as a parent, have you been asked, you know, difficult questions or how have you dealt with them? And an interesting SMS that we got, and a WhatsApp message from Busi says, Morning, Gogs. Interesting parenting topic. I've decided to enroll my seven-year-old in robotics classes because he challenged me in wanting to build and invent, and I'd be frustrated as a mom, I didn't have any building or invention acumen. So the thing you were saying, that, for instance, that you wrote a book and the book would be a resource. So it sounds as if parents need to kind of build their, their resource, their toolkit on how to deal with difficult questions. And sometimes it may actually be like this parent has done, enrolling the kid in robotics classes because then they have... I guess a teacher, someone who has the knowledge they can, that can answer that can answer the questions, encourage their curiosity and and their creativity. Sure, you know we can't be experts at everything, and I have to tell you that once your child hits high school, and your kid asks you for help with maths or English homework, you will be completely out of your depth. I mean, I studied English as as part of what I did in, in tertiary education, and by the time my children were in grade ten, eleven, twelve. They were studying such high English, I didn't even know what they were talking about. And I had to engage uh, extra English teachers and extra science teachers and extra math teachers, extra lesson teachers, because it was off the charts complicated. And, you know, we, we all have different strengths as adults. We have to acknowledge those strengths. And... And childhood is a journey to work out what your kids are good at, what they're interested in. And they are going to face subjects that they're more interested in and better at than others. And that's how you explain it to them. School is a great place where you get to engage with lots of different subjects so that you can work out what you love, what you're interested in, what you're good at and what you're not good at. And by the same token, you know, your child may be like one of my children was absolutely brilliant at engineering um, and graphic design. That was not not my strength. Mm -hmm. Technical drawing was not my strength, but it was more my husband's bailiwick. So if there are two of you in the relationship, you will often find that the one parent is stronger at something 
than the other parent. And that's part of parenting as a team. And we need to find ways to link subjects that they don't like to things they're interested in. So, for example, you have a boy who's interested in cricket, but he hates maths. Mm -hmm. So, find a way to link maths to cricket. You know, you can't score in cricket if you don't understand how to count and to add because that's the whole game plan with cricket. It's a numbers game. Actually, it's a numbers game. Mm -hmm. And it's linking, you know, the way you take um, a shot and the way you field and the way you bat to numbers. So that's a nice way to create an interest in numbers because of an interest in cricket. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, you can say things to kids like, we can cry and we can worry and we can complain. Or we can be confident that we can handle this and make a plan. And this is the way you calm children down. You get them back on sides. You see, parental fear and anxiety and parental guilt is infectious. So being calm, even when children ask you something out of left field, is take a breath. Be honest. If you don't have an answer, you can say something like, that is a really great question. You see, you need to buy time. <laughs> it's like being interviewed by the media. You have to buy time for your brain to connect the dots and come up with an answer. And so you can say, that's a really interesting question. You know, when I was your age, I was also thinking about things like that. And by the time you've said that, you've come up with an angle for your children. And, um, and you, you really have to be calm. You can say, you can be as honest as you like as well. You can say, yes, you know what? This has me worried too. Like load shedding. Load shedding is the, is the question every child is asking their parents at the moment. Why have we got load shedding? This is horrible. Why do we have to be in the dark? And you can say, yes, we are worried too. But we will handle it in the best way we can. And this is how we need to, to deal with children. We will handle it in the best way we can. This is the plan we have for now. And if we need to change our plan, we will. So it's that taking charge of the situation. And I started this conversation by saying children often ask you difficult questions at bedtime. In the dark where they can't see your face and you can't see theirs. That's when they will ask you, am I going to die tonight? And if I die tonight, what's going to happen to my body? Or how did I get inside your tummy? And how am I going to get out? Because this is when their brains are connecting those dots in a different way. Sex is part of life and death is part of life. Being good at things is part of life. Being not so good at certain things is part of life. And always remember that children are going to come at these questions from their own perspective because something has happened in the day that has triggered them to ask the question. So always try and find out what made you think this? What made you think about this question? Mm. Just to provide a little more context for your answer. 
An interesting message here, I think, uh, kind of speaking to the opportunity for these questions, opportunity for curiosity. It says, Dear Gogs and Nikki, quick story that I need to share. I was on the how train this week and about a 100 kids and their teachers are boarded. I noticed that the teachers had their noses in their phones along with the quiet introverted kids. The loud kids were blocking the entrances, being a nuisance. And at no stage did the teachers engage in any interesting or fun facts about the train, a wasted opportunity saying clearly the school may not deliver very many curious journalists, for example, <laughs> which is what I think this country needs. So something like a train uh, ride being the opportunity to, to spark curiosity, um, to ask questions about the train itself, where we are going, our surroundings, um, being an officer, almost, almost even creating opportunities for questions, cre- opportunities for yes. imagination. So what we're talking about here is provocative learning, where we provoke learning by posing a question. So if we were driving in a car to, from Joburg to Pretoria, how long would that take versus how long is it going to take on the car train? Mm-hmm. We can talk about petrol consumption. We can talk about the price of petrol. Let's work out the price of this trip on the car train versus the price of this trip if we were driving in a car and paying for petrol, wear and tear on tires, etc. There's so much you can do with provocative learning. Sadly, many, many teachers are not trained in provocative learning. The International Baccalaureate is based on provocative learning. Montessori education, Waldorf education, Reggio Emilia educational um, angles are built on provocative learning where we, we ask provocative questions and then we elicit conversation and questions from children. And we also in those situations, take into account what children bring into the classroom. They are not born empty vessels. They do not come into this life empty. They are full of knowledge and wisdom that just needs to be sparked in order to make connections occur. And so if a child walks in with news about a new puppy that they just got, the whole science lesson should be skewed around the new puppy. And that is clever education. You mentioned that there is a book that you've written, which would be, sounds like an incredible resource for parents, especially as they try to, you know, encourage or facilitate, you know, provocative learning, this kind of creativity and imagination. What is the name of the book again and where do parents find it? Right. So all my books are available in bookstores, but they can also go straight to NikkiBush.com and order online. The sexuality education book is Easy Answers to Awkward Questions, available in English and Afrikaans. And then Future Proof Your Child is also full of chapters at the, uh, in the handbook section, the second half of the book, around things like curiosity and how to, how to um, build children who are curious about the world they live in. Nikki, as always, it's great having you on the show. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you, Gorgas. Have a great day. You too. That's our resident parenting and human potential expert, Nikki Bush, talking about how to manage difficult questions with kids. I still want to know some of the difficult, awkward, or even just the questions you didn't have answers to. It was just a tough question. You had to help them with um, algebra or geometry, and you just you had no idea how to do it. I want to hear those stories on 011-883-0702. Your SMS is on 31702 and your WhatsApp messages on 072